Hello, everybody, and welcome to People Play Games. I'm your host, Joseph, and this is a podcast all about seeing games through a different perspective, where each and every week I bring you a different guest in the gaming industry, whether they're a known figure or someone trying to make it, and talk about what it's like being a gamer through their perspective. You know, I was at PAX last week as of recording this video, and I saw gamers from all different backgrounds, all different shapes and sizes and political views, all together in one place, all these perfect strangers bonding over one thing, video games. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, because oftentimes when we're on the internet, we're on a forum, or we're looking at a YouTube video, the comments are so destructive Everybody's at each other's throats. If you're playing an online game and you die, you're always blaming your teammates or lag. We always forget when we're criticizing either a publisher or a developer that there's people on the other ends of the screen. That people make these games. That people talk about these games, cover games, play games. And that's what this podcast is all about. I want to know what it's like to be a gay gamer, a black gamer, a Hispanic gamer. I already know what that's like. But I want to know what it's like to be a dad and a gamer, what it's like to be an indie developer or a person in PR, things and people that we don't normally get to think about when it comes to the video game industry and talk to them. So today marks our first episode, and it's with Caitlin from Your Geeky Gal Pal. And Caitlin is an amazing human being. They, uh, they identify as queer, not a specific gender. And for me, I'm definitely new to that idea. I've only met one other person that didn't identify as either he or she. And so this first episode, I knew needed to be the first episode because I'm walking in this completely blind. I know I'm about to say something completely stupid, but it comes out of a place of just me not knowing, but wanting to learn. And I feel like there's oftentimes when we're getting to know someone or an issue at hand, we're too afraid to ask questions because we're too afraid to say the wrong thing. And that oftentimes we then shield ourselves from outside influences. And so I hope that this first episode opens your minds like it did mine when we're talking to Caitlin about LGBTQ representation in video games. And so with that said, with all that out of the way, past Joe, start the show. So Caitlin, welcome to the show. And, Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, and with that, Caitlin, you're from uh, our Geeky Gal Pal, uh, which is an awesome blog slash a podcast that I started listening to. Kyle uh, Stevenson, my co-host from the Trophy Room, suggested bringing you onto the show because he thought you would be a perfect fit. And mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast, Palin' Around, uh, where you were interviewing... Oh, man, I, I, you guys were talking about the... Activision situation. I forgot who you were talking about. Oh, Emma. Our interview with Emma from Game Workers. That was so amazing. And so literally halfway through that podcast, I was just like, I need to get Caitlin on the show. And I feel like this is just the perfect 
episode one because what people play games is all about is about lifting the veil seeing the other side of what it is to be a content creator whether on you're on youtube whether you're a blog whether you're a podcast whether you're in the industry uh like we just interviewed adam bankhurst uh from ign i always want to mm-hmm. see the other perspective in games and games media and to just see that there's people behind the screen because like oftentimes yeah. we're like yelling at someone on a forum or we're getting way too angry at a video game and we're blaming lag that we don't often realize that there's a person there. Yeah. And it just feels impersonal. So with that, I want to share some common ground. We both love video games. And I feel mm-hmm. like this is the perfect episode one because you identify as a queer gamer. And so with that... I, I do. I want to know. A gamer, you might say. Oh, dude, see, that's the <laughs> awesome thing, man. You know, gamer, that's a such, God, the branding, yeah. I uh, didn't make that up. I can't take credit for it, but I will happily use it. <laughs> <laughs> please, please do. So with that, you know, I, I am a huge proponent and a huge ally of the LGBTQ plus communities. I... I have most of my friends are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, one of my closest friends is uh, uh, trans, and you know, I consider myself an imperfect ally because I don't know much. Like when we're talking today, you're going to be filling mm-hmm. me in on a lot of things, so I might ask some stupid questions. No, it all comes from a place of of my stupidity, but a good place. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm going to take a minute to say, I mean, I think most allies are imperfect and like we all should be allies to people who aren't us, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like I'm only like, I'm still a white, like largely cis passing um, person. Mm -hmm. So, and I come from, and like large, you know, like I come from places of privilege too. And it's important to recognize that and try to do what, what you can for people who aren't you. And, um, I think as long as you're learning and trying and like making an effort, you know? Yeah. See, if I could like, if I could go back to 16 year old me and be like, dude, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? You're freaking idiot. Stop saying half the things you're saying. You're not. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know too many 16 year olds that like, we're 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 doing the greatest you know like there are 16 year olds now who i'm like damn you are so fucking educated and smart jesus where Mm -hmm. was i fucking being a nerd somewhere like i was playing world of warcraft (laughs) god i don't even know what i was doing like being a nerd at school i guess i don't know so with that Fill fill the audience in. You you identify as queer, and your pronouns of use is they or there. So, what mm-hmm. is a queer folk? So, so this is a good question. It's also something I can't be the true authority on it, just because it's going to depend on you know who you're talking to and how they feel and relate to stuff. But um, I identify as a queer person, um, which to me, um, I like the word gay a lot, so I also use that. But for me, the reason I kind of moved away from identifying as like a lesbian or gay, I mean, I still do identify as gay, but like more in like a fun way than in like if you were to actually sit down and be like, what, how do you identify? I identify as a queer person just because like, as I've gotten more aware of gender stuff and, um, like how other folks feel and present and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm more open to folks of different kinds of like gender identity or expression than like I think I I was before just because like I'm more aware of it Mm -hmm. and so like I don't want to nail down too much like you know like x y and z is like you're you're gay so that means like you only like girls or whatever like because that's a little bit that's erasing a lot of people you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's kind of like I'm sorry continue no, you're good. What are, what are we going to say? It's kind of like, because uh, like how I've always viewed like sexuality is like, it's kind of, it's, it, it isn't something you can just strictly label of something, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I don't think well, anybody's think- perfectly like 100% straight or 100% gay. Yeah. Because like, listen, I identify as, as a straight male, but I, I say this all the time. Uh, you know, Chris Evans, when he's holding the helicopter in, in Civil War, <laughs> it gets confusing, you know? That's it, fair. And I think, I think we're better off if we embrace it being confusing and slippery yeah. as opposed to, you know, trying to stick to really heavy labels. And I think that's the nice thing about queer as a word and as a label is like now that like queer folks have reclaimed it, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people still aren't comfortable with it being reclaimed, like especially a lot of older folks who had to deal with it being used as a slur. And like, that's totally valid too. Um, yeah. But I like it cause it's a, like a nice umbrella of just kind of like when you, when I say queer, like you probably know what I mean, mm-hmm. at least to a degree, like mm-hmm. even if you don't know specifically how I identify or like what my queerness means to me, you know that like I'm not a straight person right and like you know and i think that's really nice because it gives people especially if you're figuring stuff out because like i'm currently still figuring a lot of stuff out um which is weird because i originally came out when i was like 13 so when i i did not think that when i was 24 i was gonna still be figuring shit out but you're always here here we are yeah yeah so i think how did how did you how did you tell your parents or did you who was like the first person (gasps) to turn to you Let's see. So I think when I first came out, I told a couple of friends that I knew mm-hmm. um, in person and they were like, yeah, duh. And I was like, oh, OK, shit. <laughs> um, and then I did tell my parents it was a rough uh, experience with that. Um, mm-hmm. my, my dad was pretty chill. Like he didn't really care, but my mom like had a really, really hard time with it. So it took a long time for us to like really deal with that. Like we, we didn't really talk about it or deal with it for like five years. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my senior year of high school, I was finally like, I was like seeing a girl and I like wanted to be able to like have it be a normal thing. So mm-hmm. I just kind of pushed the issue and was like, yo, we need to talk about this. And like, we need to deal. And I get like, it's hard. Cause my mom is definitely like, my mom had a rough time growing up and she got like harassed and like dealt with a lot of racism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause she came from a really small town that was just like, not, right. not it. And so she kind of learned the defense mechanism of like, Oh, being different makes you a target. And so she didn't want that for me. And so it ended up being, she was really in the opposite direction. Right. Right. Um, And so then, but, you know, once we forced the issue, it was better because she realized, like, you know, it's not going to go away. It's not going to be bad. Like, it's not going to change. And it's better for us to be able to be honest with each other and, like, just be authentic as opposed to having to, like, always be skirting around this issue. And now she's great. Like, she's still learning, obviously, but, like, who isn't? And, um but she's interested in learning. And, like, she went to Pride with me a couple of years. Like, she's been to Pride with me, like, two years in a row now. And, like... Yeah, she's super chill now, so we're in a good place. But yeah, it was a journey. Yeah, like with with my friend Ash, um, 
when when he f- uh, see me with past tense, I get very. Oh, confused. it's hard. Yeah, I get very. So when he originally um, was identified as a woman, he came out as a lesbian to um, his parents. And again, if I'm butchering this, all the queer folk, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm no, I think you're doing well. I think most folks usually prefer their pronouns to be used in the past. I mean, okay, I can't good. I can't speak for everybody, but yeah. I think you're doing it all It comes right. out of a good place. So when he came out to his parents, my, man, were they not on board. And he came to me for a lot of that um, nurturing mm-hmm. and support me, my my best friend Amy. This is actually her apartment. I'm in. This is my set. All thanks to her. And um, nice shout we, out to Amy. Yeah, shout out, man. She's the worst. And so, like, the one <laughs> thing we did to support him was we took him to a gay club. Uh huh. And um, there's like a, there's a place called Feathers uh, over in North Jersey. And what a great name for a gay club, dude! And you know what? They're really nice. <laughs> They're really nice. Man, I wish I wish the gamers in Denver had yeah. more fun names. Because, like, to me, I was just like, I'm I'm straight. I don't. I'm walking in, and I'm just like, how do I prove? Like, do I have to prove that I'm gay? <laughs> I don't no, honestly, works. I wish there was a way for them to be like, hey, are you a gay or with a gay? <laughs> Scan <But>. you. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I wish, it, but, but like, no. they were the most like welcoming people, and like my friend Ash was just like in his natural habitat. It was awesome mm-hmm. to see him so happy. And I remember like going outside and because um, my friends wanted to smoke, and like there there was like this one gay guy my friend Amy was dancing with hardcore, and mm-hmm. he's just like he he looks at me, he's like, "So you're the straight one, huh?" And I'm like, "Yeah, how do you know?" And he's just like, <laughs> "How you're folding your arms like this, <laughs> like." You're, you're straight. We could all see it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Honestly, awesome. watching a baby gay like in a in a club for the first time is a joyous experience. Yeah. Generally, yeah. like I went buck fucking wild the first time I went to a gay club. It's, um, it's awesome because it's just like it's super. It's super liberating. Yeah, it's it's. it's Which awesome. not that clubs are for everybody, but yeah. and, and being I able told, to be in a space that's like for you is super super yeah. liberating. I, I told my I told my parents I'm like oh yeah we're taking uh, my friend Ash to a gay club and they're like you're going I'm like yeah I don't care and my uncle at, like he was in the room don't worry i don't talk to him kind of looked at me weird when i said that like well why are you going uh, like i was just like even if i was who, who, do you really care that much apparently he does and uh <laughs> <what a> miserable <laughs> human being but yeah like it, uh, that's why my heart goes out to so many people a part of the lgbtq plus communities because i've seen firsthand wow like that's your kid and you're just like yeah you know it's it it really hurts my soul when Ash has to go to me. He goes, I look at you more of a father figure than my own dad. Like that break. It's wonderful to hear in one hand, but the other part is like, it breaks you. And so yeah, it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm lucky that like my situation wasn't worse on lately. Cause so many people have like such a shit time with it. So I want to go back a little further here. Um, is there a game mm-hmm. because we're gamers here, right? Is there a game that spoke to we you are. when, like, you're just like, oh, th- like I feel a little different? Like, is there a game that opened you up to your sexuality? So the thing that's always been hard for me is, and it's kind of like a meme in queer community of like, there have been so many women in games where I didn't know if I wanted to like date them or be them. 
Mm. And like, and I, I joke about it all the time, but I love nothing more than a step on me wife. Like, please be just fucking emotionally unavailable (laughs) and mean and Mm -hmm. terrible. And like, you would just kill me as soon as anything else. And I am in, I am sold. Like, and it's such a bad thing. And it ties into like my real life dating shit too, which is why I'm like, I need to calm the fuck down. Um, So, like, one that I always super, super loved was Morrigan from Dragon Age Origins. Mm, like, okay. if you had to be, like, like pick a Caitlyn-ass woman from a game, it would be her. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, like, I recognized my my deep flaws. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah. I'm trying to think of games from earlier in my life. Because the thing that's hard about, like, growing up, being, like, raised as a girl... And, like, being a femme person is, like, games from when we were kids were not super great with women characters. Still aren't, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's still not great, but, like, it's better-ish. Right. Um, Because, like, I'm thinking about the games that I played as a kid, and I really can't remember any, like, standout women or femme people. Like, it's all... Which, like, granted, I did play a lot of games that didn't really feature that many, like, people to begin with. Like, Mario's not out here with, like, many, many characters generally, but, or Pokemon, like. But even that, there wasn't, like, an option for much else. So, I don't know. It's, I don't, I can't really remember too many, like, women or femme people that I even was aware of in games until I was, like, older. So, with that, like, what type of games are you into that, like, you're, like, yeah, you look at it, you're, like, this is a Caitlyn-ass game. Um... So I love me a visual novel. Uh-huh. Um, I don't. If you are you familiar with visual novels at all? Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's where most people are at. I really get into them until like 2017 um, okay. when I heard like I started really getting like looking around on itch.io and um, like I found Butterfly Soup. Because Danielle from Waypoint was like, this game is so fucking good. And I saw all these queer people being like, no, this game is so fucking good. So I start, I, that was like my first like real visual novel. And then from there I was like, oh shit, I am sold. Like this is the genre for me. Cause it's basically like, it's exactly what it says. It's like, they're kind of like animated comic books basically, but like with branching choices and narrative and stuff. And like, mm. They're so good, and they're usually, like, very, very gay. <laughs> so mm. I'm super here for them largely, but, like, I don't know. It's a nice way to just, like, do interactive fiction and, like, narrative storytelling in a way that, like, is super accessible to a lot of people. Okay. Um, which is rad. So I love that. And then I also love... Um, we were talking about DMC5 earlier, and, like, yeah. I'm not familiar really at all with Devil May Cry, aside from, like, a friend who used to play them when we were younger. Sure. Um, but the reason that I'm going to buy it is because I love nothing more than a media party that is absolutely shamelessly on its bullshit. Um, yeah, I love it. Like Riverdale is my favorite (laughs) fucking thing on the planet. I love Bayonetta so much because she's just, she's literally that man was like, I have a fetish for a librarian who will step on me. So I made that game. And I'm like, yes, bitch, get it. Like, you fucking did it. Like, live your dreams. I love that. Now, like, be honest about being horny, honestly. So that's my, that's, I, that's actually a good, like, jumping off point is 
the over, overly sexualization of female or femme characters in video mm-hmm. games. Are you just, are you, like, for me, uh, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, it should mm-hmm. be told. Um, like, well, like, I'm playing Devil May Cry, and there's, like, a girl that, like, there's, like, one scene where it's just, like, yeah, no, like, this guy, someone's... <laughs> You can curse in the show. Just don't worry about it. Oh, thank God. This guy was obviously, like, one hand on the mouse, one hand on somewhere else. And just, like, because there's just, like, what are you, why is that there? Yeah. have no idea to be there. And this guy is running out of of lotion. Like, it's just, like. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable to me sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. So the thing that's hard with that is there's a really good article that Maddie Myers posted last year about Ivy from Soul Calibur and kind of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of good stuff talking about Bayonetta too. It's hard because like by and large, those kinds of games aren't made with women or femme people in mind. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that like you can't find something there, especially too, because like, what was it? Did you see the other day there was like some, someone drew um, their perception of Samus, like zero suit Samus and she was like less femme and this like comic artist redrew it was like i fixed it for you and like literally made the bodysuit like tighter on her vagina to like feminize her more but like she still had he was like oh well she has a shaved head and a scar so that makes her mask and like two there was this whole other discord going on of like because the character had like smaller breasts like that made her like less sexualized and so then it's like okay well so does that mean that women who don't have like big boobs are just inherently not sexual because that's a weird thing too Mm -hmm. and like a trope that people lean super heavy into in video games they're like oh well if you give a lady no boobs then she's not a sexy lady and we're fine and it's like what like you're still objectifying this person if she's still wearing like a battle bra at the end of the day yeah well and too like 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 your the size of your titties just not inherently relate to your sexiness or your sexuality and like it's, if it's you're a, only thinking about that you're still thinking about like that person's body as an object yeah and that's like it's it's such a interesting conversation because like that i don't feel like a lot of people are willing to even hear out of mm-hmm. just like yeah like this industry is so young and so yeah when 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 like that guy's drawing that picture of zero suit with like you know like smaller breasts and he's just like fixed it it's not over sexualized it's like well actually you still can. yeah well yeah. especially like yeah it's that whole thing is like a whole fucking can of worms but like and it's hard too because like so many of like the like big titty goth gf characters that like have been out there are special to me because like as someone who is like a fake big titty goth gf to a degree like I like seeing people who have bodies like mine. Mm-hmm. It's hard, like, when in real life you're inherently sexualized and feminized because of the way that your body looks and you have no control over that. And then to have that ascribed to these characters, too. And, like, they're made to be thirst objects. And I get that. But, like, yeah. I don't know. It's complicated and weird and hard. And, like, there's, I just want big titty ladies to be able to live their lives. <laughs> it's it's That's uh, all I want. It's kind of like, from what at least, like, I'm getting out of it it's it's kind of like you're draw you yourself kind of have to draw that line of what you're comfortable mm-hmm. with and what you're comfortable seeing yeah and well and you have to kind of take what you can from what you're given a lot which 
mm-hmm. sucks, but and hopefully more people will be able to get into the room and make it so like it's not like that anymore. Yeah. But and do you feel like there's progress? Like, is there is there a female character to you that when you look at, you're like, yeah, this is this is where games need to go. This character. Right here. <sighs> I'm trying to think because. I know when you were messaging me, you mentioned Aloy, and like I'm not out here to like shit on Aloy, oh, but she's a little bit, s- she's still a little bit like bland for me, and I think okay. it's mostly because like any character where you get to make choices for them, their character is gonna be a little bit bland just because like they have to be kind of mapped to the player's right. choices, you know. Um, I'm trying. Let me. What games have I? I really, really like going back to visual novels. Um, last year, Worst Girl Games put out um, Heaven Will Be Mine, mm-hmm. um, which is like a mech visual novel. And the characters in that are fucking great. Like, they're all so well done and interesting and like real. Um, and Saturn is just like a big gay disaster. And I'm like, yes, yes, this is it. This is the character. Um, Mm -hmm. So everybody should play that game because it's fucking good. But, and then two, um, I think Bloodhound from Apex. Yeah. Like this is a weird thing, but like, like having a canonically non-binary character that the voice actress was like, yeah, I know like Bloodhound uses they, them pronouns. Like Bloodhound is, is non-binary. Like, and And it's, and it fits that character. Yeah. Cause like you can't see them. So it's like, and like the the lore is like you nobody knows who Bloodhound is. Yeah. yeah. And it's like but I, I like the I think there's still issues with like those kinds of games and their lore, mm-hmm. but I think having that right from the get is really cool and good and like right. I think more games just need to be like, yo, like these people just are the way they are and like that's just it. Yeah. Um kinda like, so like I'm like me, I'm like cautiously stoked on Bloodhound. Yeah, like for me, like The Last of Us. Like Ellie you like definitely through the last DLC, you kind of understand where where she's headed, right? Like, and when you see her in the Last of Us Part Two, and they're just like, she's gay now, so get him. Mm-hmm. I like, I dig that. I I dig yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I think the only thing with the Last of Us that I'm worried about is, mm-hmm. um, have you heard of the barrier gaze trope? I I've heard of it, but I'm not well versed. So it's basically um, like you have queer characters and then you kill one or all of them just to like make the story sadder or like it's kind of it's kind of like gay fridging essentially. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the the and like I'm I'm, and like, I mean, honestly, the the way to fix it is just like because obviously like queer characters like should be allowed to die i'm not saying Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. but like if you only have one or two queer characters and you're just like killing them for funsies or for like plot reasons um it gets very sketch very quickly Mm -hmm. so i'm a little bit concerned about the last of us too just because like somebody did ask them and they were like they basically were like shrug emoticon guess you'll have to find out and i was like that's not a strong answer (laughs) my guy so like how do you fix that like do you like, do we gotta kill one of the straights? Like, what do we do here? Like, I mean, we should obviously always kill at least one straight if we're being honest. <laughs> right, like I'm this. joking. I'm yeah. joking. Um, but no, I mean, the answer is just to have more queer characters. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you feel it a lot more if you're like, hey, this person's like me and they're the only one 
and now they're fucking dead mm-hmm. versus like especially like if it's a shitty plot reason or like to make you know like this like the like the straight characters have a reason to do something or whatever but like if there's multiple canon queer folks then it hurts less because you're like okay no like this makes sense and to also just having like real ass fucking reasons for it happening like having like well thought out plot reasons for why like any because any character death should be like there should be a reason for it beyond like we need to accelerate like x or y plot line or whatever you know like because for me like i don't mind because i think what like neil Druckmann said in 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 one of the interviews i forget a while back that like um uh, the first last of us focus on despair this one's focusing on hatred and you find mm-hmm. that like through the trailer you find that her hatred comes out of a place of love in a weird way and, like she mm-hmm. loved so much and it was taken from her so this is all she has now and like, I'm just like I want to I want to see this train. Yeah, go leave the station. I need I need the last bus too so bad. Yeah, I guess it's like it's one of those things where like I'm not necessarily opposed to like a queer revenge story, mm-hmm. but I am concerned with using queerness as a as a like veil for something or like. A plot device because you couldn't think of anything better, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, so I think just having, yeah, like, just it it largely is just like, yo, if you have more gay people and more like trans people in your stories, then it's gonna, it's gonna just be a better story anyway. But also, like, it's, you know, then you can kind of do whatever you want because one or two characters are not holding the whole weight of being the queers you know like mm. and so uh, yeah and, and for for people who are just like i don't get it i think what you're trying to get out of here is just like if let's just say like a straight person dies in a tv show well it isn't it doesn't impact most viewers because most of the cast is already straight well, right. and two, you're sad about the character, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're not having the loss of, like, the only straight person died. Like, yeah. the only person that I can kind of map myself way, like, is now gone is a shitty feeling. Yeah. Versus, yeah. like, you know, and two, because then, because a lot of the time, too, media is like, this character is the gay character or, like, the mm-hmm. trans character. And, like, that is their whole deal, which yeah. sucks. But then when that's gone, then you have none of that. And it's just like, oh, cool. Well, this is now it's like it's just devoid of any of the representation or like identifying, which not to say like you can't identify with people outside of your identities or whatever. But like when you never. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Right. Like I play video games. So really I can have some sort of sympathy or like empathy with like cishet white dudes. But like I want to see other people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, um, when when people go like, Joe, who's like your favorite superhero? Usually I say Spider-Man because mm-hmm. the, and I got this little this is a this is a gag on the trophy room. <laughs> I'll show you. It's embarrassing. But like, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, he leaves his, his a uniform here. It's weird. But like to me, because he, he could be, you know, anybody can, can wear the mask type of thing. And mm-hmm. You know, Enter the Spider-Verse, Enter the Spider-Verse is my favorite superhero movie just, like, ever. Yeah, and it was so fucking good. I finally realized after 27 years on this earth, the reason why it took me so long to go, yeah, like, I like superhero movies. Like, I love Captain America. I love Iron Man. But, like, I don't, I, I could never relate to them. And I was like, oh, I finally got why I never really had a role model as a kid. Because they were all white dudes. 
Like one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies is Aladdin because I thought I thought Arabia was Puerto Rico because <laughs> they were they were tan like me, and yeah. so I was just like, oh, they're Puerto Ricans. I get this, and that's why I love Aladdin so much. And so like when Miles is like getting ready to go to school. And like, there's like his mother speaks there's like Spanish. Spanish. There's like yeah. a goddamn Spanish like soup that every Spanish family has boiling. That's actually real. That's a fact. Like I'm just like, it is, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is, yeah. I can see myself in him like like no other hero I have ever had before. And so with that, I want to go back to this battle royale business with Apex and Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that like their sexualities or their their reveals could be a lot better. I remember with Apex Legends just a few weeks back when they announced the um what's the, what's the guy's name? We got Bloodhound was non-binary and then mm-hmm. you had the Hawaiian dude Gibraltar, Gibraltar. as a gay ma- male and um mm-hmm. you know people are like, "Oh, really?" Come on. My favorite thing I've ever read on the internet was yeah. the dude desperately ple- pleading with Respawn to not make Gibraltar gay because he played Gibraltar and he was like, if you keep him gay, I can't play him anymore. And I was like, what? You like, you're literally no homoing a screen on a fictional character? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. Like, and with that. And like, all these people were like, it doesn't matter. But it's like, well, if it doesn't matter, then. Care. Exactly. Then why are you shouting so much? That's the thing. Like, clearly right? it matters it to clearly you. Clearly it does. That's why they're like, well, they're politicizing it. What, the, what do you mean they're politicizing it? Does Gibraltar have a feel the burn pin on? What do you mean they're politicizing it? <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't get it. But, like, there is one reveal I want to talk to you about. That would be Overwatch's uh, Soldier 76. My dad's gay now. Mm-hmm. Um. How, I have feelings about that. Tell me. Let me in. I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm not shitting on any other queer people who found enjoyment or fulfillment mm-hmm. or anything else from Soldier 76, because unfortunately in our current media landscape, it's a lot of we take what we can get. And right. I get that. My thing is... There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with the Soldier 76 thing. Number one, I'm really fucking tired of Overwatch adding these very important things that they know that people really, really care about to characters after like multiple years and in things that are not the game itself. Mm -hmm. Like Tracer's reveal was in a comic and Soldier 76's was in also a comic. Right, I think. Yeah, like an animated short uh, type. Yeah, Yeah. and like they both have sprays now, but it's all it's just it's all fucked up because the team has said multiple times like voice lines and sprays aren't canon, and I'm like, well, then what's the point of them? Mm -hmm. And also, what is your canon? Because like in the actual gameplay, you're not engaging with the world or the story. So like those things are kind of the only ties that they have to the shorts and the comics and the art book and all that stuff. So I'm like, if that's not Canon, what the fuck is the point Mm -hmm. of those things? Mm -hmm. Um, but to like, I don't, (laughs) something about them slapping gay onto soldier 76, like was also really frustrating because the conversation that came up around that was like, Oh, well it's so innovative because like, he's like a pretty mask dude. And like, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of like 
people thinking that like making a masculine gay man is like revolutionary or groundbreaking because like there are mass gay dudes and also like that idea really really feeds into like a lot of femme phobia that's like super nasty in gay community like Mm. especially for queer men like there's a lot there's just a lot to unpack with it Mm. and i gave that disclaimer at the front because as much as i'm not shitting on a i'm trying to not shit people for enjoying this thing i'm really tired of, of of continuing to cheer for scraps if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I'm really tired of, like, for years, people have been like, Overwatch is basically gay because the fandom has said so. And, like, oh, they finally did something about it. Hooray, we're going to throw them a party for giving nothing, really. Especially, too, when they still haven't given a playable black woman after so much outcry. And, like, mm-hmm. and their solution keeps being like, oh, Ash, the whitest woman in the world, and then Baptiste, who seems cool, but is still not a playable black woman. Yeah. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And like, I'm just so tired of like throwing Blizzard a party for doing the bare fucking minimum yeah, and not even doing a great job of it. Yeah. Like, is there is there like a thing of of maybe like if if they just came out like on the. Op- uh, like offset of like when the game was a uh, launch, like oh yeah, by the way, and I mean I'm doing this to paraphrase, uh, like Tracer's gay, Soldier seventy six is gay, right mm-hmm. off the onset, like on launch, like you know there's background into Tracer's life and with, with her uh, partner, and there's a you know history with Soldier seventy six and his partner. Would that mm-hmm. make things better? Cause like for I think me, so. yeah. Cause like for me, I'm just like, it's cool, and I'm, I'm not, like I'm happy, but it's just like I feel like you're uh, you're doing it to do it, rather than you're doing it because the story, like the story needs it. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it's mm. yeah. Well, and I feel like it's, it's it's less even that for me, and it's more mm-hmm. like I think your Gita Jackson from Kotaku has been doing really good work on this and talking about it. Where she about like. Overwatch was left to its own devices for so long that the fandom kind of took over and started making headcanons and stuff. And then now Blizzard is capitalizing on all that fan work and then putting it on the game and acting like they're doing it. When it's like, you're not, you're taking the fans work and the fans ideas and then putting it into the game after as like a slapdash skin, basically. Mm. And like, for me, I think what would have been ideal is if they had approached it more like Apex, where they were like, yeah, these characters are explicitly canonically queer. They have, you know, their comics, they have their animated shorts, whatever, but like also in game, like there are voice lines, there are sprays, there are like, especially because, you know, when the characters talk to each other in yeah. like the lobbies and stuff, like having those interactions, like reference past partners or reference like going to events or like whatever, like just because like I don't expect Overwatch to have like a full ass story because that's not the game it is, even though that's the game that it's pretending to be. Mm. Um, But like, I don't think there's anything wrong with like, just make it more explicit and make it like continue building those bridges. Cause if you're going to make all the lore and stuff outside of the game, there needs to be bridges into the game because otherwise why should people fucking care? That's true. They're like two separate Mm. fandoms at that point. That's interesting. Which is what overwatch is basically. So to Jump on to this question, um, LGBTQ representation in games, clearly mm-hmm. lacking. Do you yep. see active steps to make the industry more diverse 
and who's doing it, who's taking those active steps to you that you've seen, uh-huh. and who's halting that progress? So this is an interesting and kind of multi-layered question, yes. because I think I've definitely seen in games media, there are a lot of queer women. I've seen that, and it's been growing, and I'm I'm very hype on that. Um and like in like in like big like not even in the indie scene but like working for outlets all of that kind of stuff, so that's super cool. But I can't speak well enough to it in like big studios because I just genuinely don't know. Mm-hmm. But I I mean I think it's always gonna need to be better. But the really cool thing is like I was touching on it earlier is in indie game space there's so much room for queerness and it's like really, really cool. Like itch.io, like with all of the, like I was talking about visual novels earlier and like the great thing about them is most of the software and tools that are used to make those games are either really, really cheap or free. And so it's super accessible for folks to get in there and play around and make stuff. Um, And so there's just tons and tons of room for that. Like there are so many queer like visual novels to the point where it's kind of a trope in and of itself. But there are so many good, interesting ones, and it's rad. And, like, I would want to see, I guess for me, more people investing into that space, mm-hmm. which is not to say I want people coming into that space. I think those are two separate things. Like, I don't want queer spaces being invaded and trampled, but I do want them to be supported. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the act of allyship of, like, you're not putting yourself into those communities, but you are saying like, here, let me support you financially. Let me promote your work, that kind of thing. Um, Like that's what I'd like to see, but big game dev, I mean, capitalism's a bitch. (laughs) They really are still, they still very much subscribe to the whole, the cis het white gamer is our core audience. That's the core gamer. And like, I think until people get past that, it's not going to improve as much as it needs to, which like it really needs to get past that because like, as we've seen with black Panther and with spider verse, like, and even the last Jedi with like for women and little girls, like when people can see themselves in things, when they've never seen themselves in things, they will support it probably irrationally, probably to the point where like the thing might not even be that good. But like, if, if you let gays have gay characters in a big game, they will like freak the fuck out. That's why like the Bioware games had been so popular for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And they even continued that with Anthem. Um, Mathis, I believe is his name. Like he, like he, he throws a couple uh, lines out there where um, he's definitely not straight. Like he's mm-hmm. he's definitely in in the bi territory. Like he's, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. You still see a hint of like Bioware's like here's you know yeah. like diversity right then and there. Where like one of the main characters uh, or one of the main people you see, she's Faye. She's um, she's she's black. You got Halleck, who's um, I think he's Spanish. As my Spanish radar goes off when I see, him. <laughs> uh, you're like, yeah. "Oh, this bitch is Latinx." I see it <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah, then you have like, you know, your 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 British dude. You got your other white dude. Like, there's like all these different characters yeah. of all these different mixes that I I don't think if we could give Anthem one thing, I think it should be a little bit of that. At least they, they yeah. Well, and I'm glad to hear that, especially because I was. I and a lot of queer people I know were very bummed that they took the romances away. Yeah. So, cause I mean, that was the thing, right? Like so many queer people were like hella invested in dragon age specifically because of all the, like 
the gay romance shit that you could do in those games. And like, Isn't especially Dragon Age 2. It out the world a little bit. Yeah, definitely yeah. Dragon Age 2. Dragon Age 2 has like the, the, the romances with the women in the game are so good. Mm-hmm. The men in that game suck and I don't know why. They just, they were like, what if we took the worst tropes of men yeah. and then we made them into full characters? <laughs> and I was like, why? Why did you not give any good men? The only good is you can't bang you. Yeah. And I was like, why? Why would you not let these poor people who want to date men have any good men? There's none. You uh, gotta bang a shitty boy in that game. <laughs> That's true, man. Dragon Age 2 was underrated. I enjoyed Dragon it. Dragon Age 2 was a good fucking game. Yeah, I and, fucking enjoyed and, it. You know? Yeah, it's a good game. I think people are coming to that realization more and more as it gets older, which is nice, but that's a good fucking game. So I want to talk now about your geeky gal pal. How uh-huh. does that come to be, your, your blog you got? Okay, so in college, like my junior year, I think like sophomore to junior year, I started getting into podcasts because I was like, I had friends who like podcasts and I was like, I should listen to podcasts. And I knew I was starting to get back into gaming again. I my freshman year who liked gaming. And so we had started getting into gaming again. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to gaming podcasts. So I literally like opened my Apple fucking podcast app and just was like gaming. And like, you know, the usual stuff came up like IGN and whatever. So I started listening to beyond and uh, I would listen to it at work when I was closing. So I burned through like a ton of Beyond and like was way too caught up. So I started listening to the older episodes and they kept kind of mentioning um, kind of funny. And I was like, who are these dudes? So then I was like, who are these men? Um, so then I finally like I <laughs> this is a bit of foretelling because I I listened to P.S. I love you. And I was like, I don't like this because I don't like Colin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And then I got it. Then, different strokes yeah. for different folks. Yeah, yeah. And then I I was like, oh, I don't really like this. But then like I gave it a little bit more of a chance and I was like, okay, no, I'm pretty into this. Then I started listening to their other stuff. Yeah. And I just remember like, and I was like, man, I didn't know that people could like have this as a job like i i like i knew of IGN and stuff but it had never like registered in my head that like you could just do that yes, and yeah. so then like those podcasts kind of were like i was like oh okay this is really cool and then um i remember hearing tim gettys be like you just gotta do it you just gotta do it if you want to yeah. do it and i was like all right well cool and so then i there was this um there was this indie website that I just saw randomly on Twitter that was like, we're looking for writers. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try out for that. And I did. And I got in and I did that for a little while, but it just didn't work with my schedule well. And I was like hella depressed at the time too. So I just didn't have the content output for it. And then like, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't a great fit. Like the editor and I didn't really like vibe super well. So when, when that ended, I was like, all right, I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to like do my own thing. Cause like, why not? Um, so there, there was a version of YGGP that came before the one that lives and breathes today. That was more of like a, let's get people who are intimidated by gaming into game. And I think that's still like a, a noble goal, but yeah. it's one that is very difficult to do the actual legwork on. And it just like, it wasn't really what I wanted to do ultimately. So that one went kind of in the, in the, in the graveyard. 
and then current YGGP, which I mean, it, it, it's, it wasn't the way it is now. Cause now there's like other people part of the website. Whereas before for the first like year and a half, it was just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the, so then I started that blog and here we are now, here we are almost two years later. And now what does, what does your geeky gal pal focus on? What is your niche of the, so game? the niche that I've kind of dug out for myself online and that now we're expanding into like being more of a unit and like an outlet is indie games. We really, really focus heavy on indie games. Mm. Um, the only time we really touch triple a is if we're doing criticism, um, and not like reviews, but like essays, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then with uh, fire Bobby Kodak, which was dope. I did. Yeah. That was my first like news piece, which I was actually pretty, pretty hyped on. Thank you. Um, that's like the most read thing on the site. And I was shocked. It like, I was like, Oh wow. This like blew up. Um, but yeah, it's, it was cool. I was really excited about that. Um, but that's the other thing too, is we are, we are looking to do like criticism Mm -hmm. and we do that through like essays. And, um, then too, we also have palin around, which you mentioned, which that is a critical podcast focused on video games, pop culture, fandom, and the internet. Um, and so like we, we work to be, to be really researched on our topics and then to come in and talk about them critically and come at them in ways that I think either are not talked about generally in most gaming podcasts or like, aren't given enough time to be. Um, and the inspiration for that show definitely came a lot from, there was a Kotaku podcast called, um, fave this that I really liked. And so like, but that ended. And so then there was just kind of a hole there. So I was like, yeah, I kind of want to make like a YGGP fave this. And it's not quite that, Mm. but cause Patricia and Gita Jackson had their own like vibe and style yeah. of way of doing it. And ours ended up being a little bit more serious, mm-hmm. but, and to make it sound fiction is another kind of inspiration for that, which that podcast is still going and it's pretty good. Um, awesome. if people want to listen to that, but yeah, so that's kind of what we do. And we're hoping we have some big stuff in the works in this year. We were just talking about it last night and today actually. So gonna be cool it's gonna be a good year that's awesome yeah i i i had the like i had the same thing with um like like when it came to bad bit i was i just looked around i was just like i i i want to talk about games so let's like let's do it i i talk about it all the time i maybe even talked about it beforehand but like uh like i lost my grandpa to cancer and like i'm spark notes this so i just made videos so i didn't have to feel sad and then that turned into mm-hmm. just legitimate joy that I loved doing. Yeah. That. And I wasn't good at them until recently. So, <laughs> but like when it comes to like the trophy room, it was kind of like a similar thing w- with your podcast. Like I loved PS. I love you. I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, until the day it doyed and I was so pissed that I was like, I Thanos gauntlet it and I was just like, I'll do it myself. And so like mm-hmm. I had my first co-host, her name was Ren. And, um, you know, we, we did it for about, I think, like, 20-ish episodes. And then mm-hmm. she had to leave for work reasons. And then I brought Kyle in, and it was just, it's it's been gravy ever since. It's, it's been yeah. amazing. It's awesome to find something you're really passionate in that you want to, that you want to do. You know, like, it's. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, this website, I made a joke last night when we were having a so you cut out there for a second i'm sorry 
Oh, sorry. We were talking last night in our team meeting and I made the joke of like, this website is my longest relationship. Um, (laughs) And it is like, it's like, I, I, I have not been able to stick with most things for most of my life. So I am continuously shocked that YGGP still exists, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, it's weird and hard and there's all kinds of like time and mental health shit that goes along with it. But I, I genuinely love that site very much and I'm excited for what when it's going to be. When you hit those roadblocks, right? Like when you're like, when you have that like mental hardship, like a lot of 2018 for me, uh, like for three, four or five months, like it was hard to make a video because mm-hmm. it was just YouTube toxic crap. It was just like, it's just yeah. a bunch of clickbait bullshit. I want to actually like talk and it, 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 it was like this mental roadblock. I could not, breakthrough when you have those roadblocks what do you do to break through them well that's a really good question i think for a long time i would get really frustrated with myself when i was hitting those roadblocks and like be angry mm-hmm. and like that wouldn't help anything that wouldn't make it better yeah um i think the thing that's helped me the most is learning to be kind to myself and i'm still working on it but i tweeted something a while ago that was like hey like for everybody who needs to hear it like you can chill the fuck out and just enjoy the things that you cover without having to make them into content and i think that's really really important because like most of us have day jobs and do this as a side thing and then like everything becomes work because your hobby is your second job that you don't get paid for Mm -hmm. and i think just like really taking the time for yourself and acknowledging like oh i'm in a down stuff and like honestly I know we always want to be churning out content but I've never been able to do that anyway so just knowing that like people are going to be there like the people who want to be around are going to be around and that's you know yeah it's it's it is sometimes the best thing to do is to walk away and reevaluate yeah that's that's the one thing I I saw where it's just like, and the one thing I have to stop doing is I always make promises like this week's the next week, guys, and it's it's not because I put that pressure on myself. So like it's mm-hmm. just like yeah, like that taking the step back and just like evaluating it, looking at it, and being true to yourself when you're doing it is just like yeah. okay. So where is this going? Let me see where it's headed. Do I need to course correct? If I do, where do I need to land on this? You know? Yeah. And I think it's good too to have like internal deadlines or like I'd like to do this by X date. But like yeah. once you start, like, and I think being transparent and on a good call too, like when you have an audience, however big it is. But like I think it's better to be like, hey, there's not going to be content for a while because I'm figuring shit out or yeah. I'm not feeling up to it or whatever it is a lot better than like, that but here's the here's the expectation and just you know like i think setting people's expectations in a way that's healthy for you is definitely like yeah like it's it's something like uh i was part of a a group called make us better and i left that back in late august early september and you know i i left because i was just like i looked at it my my advisor came to me and she's just like i can get you out of here by fall twenty. Uh, 2019, and you'll only be in tens of thousands of dollars in debt. I'm like, get me out of here, coach. And so, <laughs> and so she's she handed me this opportunity of us like the fast track, but the fast track was rough, really still is. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, okay, got to make the call. 
gotta choose school over this. And I kind of like, I just, I was just like, I have to drop this for a bit. I gotta go mm-hmm. cold turkey on it. And you know, like, my whole thing is, is honesty, transparency with people. So like when I left, some people thought it was disingenuous because I was still making content, but I wasn't mm. making content. Like I used to make two, three videos a week and the trophy room. And then it came down to at one point I made maybe a video a week. And mm-hmm. it was just like, I'm still trying to keep on track with it, but I'm not trying to, not trying to kill myself over it. I think, yeah, yeah, like that transparency and, and seeing seeing your content for what it is 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 super super important. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think we have all these conversations about game devs and crunch, and that's super real and important stuff to talk about. But like, we as indie creators need to like, I think, really, really rethink the whole like always be on your grind shit. Like. Yeah that Red Bull is pushing us to do <laughs> like, yeah. Cause honestly, like, like we're people too. And we're not, most of us aren't even getting paid yeah. and like, you're not going to make good shit if you're tired and like burnt out and like freaking out all the time. Like yeah. everything. And if people like job, you and but, yeah, well, and yeah. if people like you and want to see your stuff, they're going to want you to like make the best thing that you can. And hopefully if they're like decent people, they're going to want you to be okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that's like the nice thing about the community that YGGP has is like people kind of have their expectations set as far as like what our turnout looks like and what our schedule looks like. But to like they genuinely care in like a way that's not like parasocial, but just in a way that's like if y'all need to take a break or y'all need to rethink or restructure or whatever, like do it. Take your time. Do what's going to be best. Yeah. Like I want to before we go, I want to, I want to do one thing. I want to talk because, again, this is our first episode, but I was talking to Adam uh, a few days ago when I was interviewing him of what what was the biggest lesson you learned through content creation? And usually that lesson is through a failure. What is that failure that you took to mm-hmm. make something great? What was that? God. Um I feel like all I do is fail, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I mean, I failed out of that first writing thing I did. I failed making the first website that I wanted to make. I failed so many times doing what I was trying to do with YGGP. I mean, like, last year around this time, it had a Patreon that just, like, didn't make sense to have and was ill-advised and mm-hmm. did it anyway. And it just, like, yeah, like, I failed through that. Like, Slay failed. That was a big, that was a big failure that sucked for a lot of reasons. But, mm-hmm. like, I learned a ton from that. Um, I think Slay might be the failure that, like, for your if you're if we're looking at like a big failure i think that's the one which i'm not going to talk about it too much just because like we we all as a group have not talked publicly about it too much and like i'm not going to be out here speaking for anybody else but there was just too much going on too much growing fast at a rate that we weren't really prepared for right and i think i just like learned a lot about like scaling and to a lot about being honest with myself about where my limits are and like Mm -hmm what I can and can't push myself to do. Um, like I, I worked so hard on that fucking podcast. All of us did. And it, it eats you up if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, like 
they might hear that and go, wait, wait, wait. So you did so good that it was like, like a setback. Yes, it happens. Yeah. Like, no, we literally crashed and burned because we grew too fast and we were not ready to deal with mm-hmm. it. You don't like, there was other go shit next. going on too. Yeah. yeah there was other like stuff a, going on too, but we were, it was, it was like, it was a perfect storm of stuff that sank it. But like that hugely con- like contributed to our workload and to like our stress and like, right. Yeah, it just if you're not ready for something, like it's weird. It's it's a we it's a yeah. I get it one hundred ten percent. I was right there I'm right there with you because I think like last year, um around this time, Bad Bit was around seven hundred, eight hundred subscribers, and now mm-hmm. we're at two thousand seven hundred and that's not to brag or anything, because once I hit one thousand and I, like I hit it because of um, because uh, a good friend of the show and Vision. He's a very awesome guy, very generous. Thank you so much. Uh, and like he helped he helped uh, me out grow this channel. And when I hit it, and when I, when I just kept on rising, I was just like a a deer in the headlights. Like oh mm-hmm. no, like imposter syndrome kicked in. Of like the yeah. next video this is when they all find out I'm a failure, and then I yeah. and so like you just don't make a video because you're afraid that number's gonna dip. And the actuality yeah. is, YouTube will force that dip anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, and the thing too is like, like picture if you will, like people who never made an actual play podcast before jumping in trying to do it with people who had never done a podcast before too, mm-hmm. and then like. You have a Patreon that you do not expect to blow up. It weirdly blows up. There's all this weird shit happening with like whales and like it was just too much. And our our Patreon goals were really ambitious and aggressive. And we didn't think about how that was going to translate into work. And like, you know, and people go through shit. People have mental ups and downs. And if people are in a down when you have to be producing shit all the time, like that is not going to work. Yeah. And like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's rough. And, but I learned a lot about like pacing and I learned a lot about knowing where the limit is and sticking to that. And to like, I am not a great communicator. I fully, fully acknowledge that, which is ridiculous since I am a writer and podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, when it comes to interpersonal dynamics, I have a really hard time like communicating with people who are close to me about like needs and stuff like that. And, and like, that was a real wake up call to me and I'm still working on it. It's still like a thing that I struggle with, but like, I'm trying to get better. And like, I don't think I would have had that wake up call as much if like what happened with Slay, like didn't happen. Yeah. I always, I always advise, um, like, like some people come to me for help of like what what equipment I need for this or what do I need to do there what this that the other thing I always just say like just get used to making content first and then focus on everything second like there's mm-hmm. been people that have approached me over the last three months of like you should start a Patreon because I want to give you I want to throw you money and I'm like that is very generous and thank you and like there's mm-hmm. some people like like Ted to, um all, like. Ted and uh, and and our good buddy uh, Smooth Four Two Three, they're the reason why I'm going to PAX this year. Because Ted mm-hmm. threw me money to to cover a hotel. I was like, dude, well, this is amazing through through Twitch donations. And Smooth literally bought me a ticket. I was just like, and he surprised me with it. I was like, what? it was so weird because I was just like, no one ever does nice shit for me. What is? It? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 crazy. And so like when people like people say that you you. you 
you kind of go because yeah, you work so hard, you don't get paid for this. You're like, yeah, some return on this this investment would be great. Um, but then like you also have to think like I see like some YouTube like channels of like 200, 300 subscribers, and they're like, we're starting a Patreon, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. No, the fuck you shouldn't. <laughs> Don't do that because yeah. you, you're way too small for that. Like I still consider like I'm not ready for that type of responsibility because that's a that's a new dynamic that you're not prepared for because like you're ju- literally you're just starting out. You're not prepared for what you're doing right now. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's what my my always my thing is like when with Make Us Better and that Patreon, we had like a group of people that had all these different communities, and it kind of it, it, it negated the fact that like I only had seven hundred you know subscribers or like this side of the other thing because when we pulled together, we were actually a pretty big force to justify it. But yeah, like things fall apart. Like things happen. Sometimes mm-hmm. people leave. Like I left because life happens. So like, yeah, no, that's a that's a terrific point. Is like sometimes the success leads to a failure or leads to something crashing. But like, look at Phoenix from the ashes. You, you're yeah. risen up. Like through failures lead successes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Well, and the thing too, like when when Slay was in high high gear. Um, I wasn't really invested in the site because I didn't have time to be. And I had been in a little bit of a slump with it right before anyway. So the thing with it crashing was like once it was over and I was like kind of clear of it, I I was able to like really start giving a shit about the site again in a way that I hadn't even before. But so, yeah, it was good. I mean, we've we've put out a lot of good shit since then. We've yeah. We've grown a significant amount. I mean, not like, I mean, we've grown in the fact that now we're a we instead of a me, but to like the Twitter is getting bigger slowly, but surely. And like, it feels like there's more of an audience. Like we have a super engaged discord server and awesome. yeah, it's cool. So it's been going in a good direction and like palling around exit. And yeah. like, we're, we're launching something new next week on Wednesday. Ooh. So like, yeah, like we're, we're doing cool stuff and it's going to keep being cool. But I yeah, I think I think you gotta just. Well, uh, wait, uh, when are you announcing this thing? What day? Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> all right, lifting the veil here. So what the show's all about. <laughs> I was gonna announce this on Wednesday. So what do, what are we gonna do here? Let's let's think about this. Should we do oh. it? Should I drop it on Thursday? Oh. Uh, the hmm. day afterwards. Yeah, or if you, yeah, we could do that. This is exciting. So, okay, so theoretically, could you tell us what this new show is right now? I could tell you what this new show is right now. (laughs) Remember when I say I don't edit things out? This workshop is staying here. So what's this new show? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, just... Xbox at fucking E3 voice like world premiere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so world premiere. So, yeah. So yeah. Aside from te- Team YGGP, you were the first. Well, I think Moises Traveris might know what it is too. Ooh, I'm pretty sure he does. Okay. But because because that boy is all up in our business. But um, so we are making a new show called Indie Mixtape which is a monthly show where Monty from my site and I play like four indie games each 
Um, one of them is a game that we've both played and talk about at the beginning of the show. And then we go through our playlist of games that we want to talk about. And the criteria that we kind of set was like stuff that we like stuff that's like weird and maybe we don't care for, but that other people might just like whatever we think is cool and interesting to talk about. And then, um, it's a, it's a monthly curated list of indie games. Cause a lot of people, one, there's really not any indie game podcasts. Like we figured that out. Like one of the first conversations she and I really had was her being like, do you have indie podcast Rex? And I was like, well, not really. Cause they don't really exist. And That's then awesome. I was like, yo, what if we did it? Um, and then two, um, there's a lot of issues with steam and itch of Jesus, curation yes. yeah, and, and just, and, and besides curation, just like the sheer mass of it all, like steam, steam fucking sucks and has no curation whatsoever. Itch tries to, but there's just like so much stuff. Does it though? Does it? They tr- they try harder than fucking, wait, are you saying does steam suck or? No, does valve actually try to curate anything? Oh, no, they don't at all. Yeah. Itch tries to, but yeah, they just yeah. have, like, a sheer huge volume of stuff. Yeah. Because, like, that's the that's the other side of the coin of indie game dev being more accessible is more people are making shit, which is awesome. But also, like, how do you decide? Yeah. So the pitch of indie mixtape is kind of like once a month you get a playlist of things that if you that's trust awesome. Monty and my taste, then we have Rex for you and it's not going to be all encompassing or perfect, but like, no, that's, you know, it's a place to start. That is awesome. That is, that is a super awesome idea. I can't wait to see it. I'm not just saying that to say it. That is a really yeah. awesome idea. We're really, really excited. And it's also cool because Monty is doing it and Monty's never. Home. So this is her show oh, and she's, home. she's doing it. She's learning and it's going to be awesome. We have really cool music. We have really cool art. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kelsey uh, Kelsey Lewis from Kind of NYC. Bit. I know a little bit about Kelsey. <laughs> she me, did our- me and Kelsey, I've known Kelsey for, God, is it, has it been like seven years? No, like four, no, five, six. I knew her before she, she, she was a part of the Kind of Funny um, NYC, for sure. Uh, yeah. We actually used to work together. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, she did our art and she did an amazing job. It's so cool. Like, I'm so excited for people to see it. It's so good. I like it. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so with that, because I've kept you here long enough, <laughs> where can they find you, Caitlin? Where can they find your Geeky Gap Pal? So if you want to find me, the person, you can find me on Twitter at CGN8Rs, because my branding is a wreck, but we're sticking with it. Um, and you can find your geeky gal pal at your at your geeky gal pal on Twitter and Instagram. You should check out our Instagram because Monty also runs that and she does a damn good job. Um, and you can find us on Facebook. If you want to do that, I, I care the least about Facebook. I'm just going to be really transparent yeah, about that. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and two, you can find palin around on iTunes or Google play or Spotify or Stitcher, we're on Stitcher now. You can you can find it pretty much wherever. Um, and Indie Mixtape is going to be on all of those platforms as well, with the exception mm-hmm. of Stitcher, because I don't have any data for it yet, because it doesn't exist yet. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, and so Indie Mixtape is dropping on Wednesday, and we're doing a Nintendo ass. Here's our announcement video, and you can listen to the first episode right now. That's so it'll awesome. be it'll be out when when people are hearing this. And also, here's what so. I love about all this releases that you're doing right now is when you move the webcam up, 
You look like the neighbor from Home Improvement where you only see his eyes. And I dig it. Don't don't move it for please. Um, yeah. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for sharing so much insight. It was awesome talking to you. Everybody, go over to your geeky gal pal. Go go subscribe to Pounding Around. It was seriously. So, so freaking great. Go subscribe Yo, to Indie Mixtape while you're here as well. Guys, gang, everybody, ladies, gentlemen, and people who who don't, people, non-binary folk. Yeah. Better yeah. Usually I say gang. I go, hey, I like gang. gang. But you know what? Here's the bullshit thing about this. If you write, mm. hey, gang, YouTube will... Uh, we'll highlight that as like a possible gang reference. And I'm like, but they you- won't get rid of the Nazis. Right. They're like warning this could control. I'm like, are you serious? Lord. I should start talking about lizard people. Maybe I'll get some. Oh, wait, no. Did he get kicked off? I don't know. I mean, uh, anyway, with YouTube all fucking sucks. <laughs> so much. Um, Everybody. Keep playing, keep staying passionate, keep staying positive about gaming. I'll see you all later. Oh, I wave. Bye. Me, me and Kyle started this. <laughs> He'll never die. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>